Let me add my welcome to Andrews. I'm uh, Pete, pastor here at Destiny, and uh, joy to have you with us. If you're joining us here for the first time, you're so welcome. Great to have you here. And uh, let, let's, let's welcome the visitors here among us today. Good to see you guys and girls. Really good to have you connecting. And also, uh, our online congregation joins us as well with Church Online. Let's welcome them. Good to see you folks. Thanks for joining us today. You're part of our church family. Uh, well, Mandy, do you mind bringing the prop up? I'm going to, uh, in, in a moment, I'm going to tell you, if you just bring it around this way. No, around, thanks. Yeah, yeah, thank you. In a minute, in a minute, I'm going to tell you about an incredible gift that God has for every single one of you. Uh, we're, we're in a series looking at the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I'm looking for a volunteer who could help me. No way. Oh, hi, Mandy. Good to see you. Good timing. Good timing. Okay. So um, the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be visiting today or joining us for the first time online. Maybe, maybe church isn't your thing usually. Maybe, maybe you're not sure you, where you stand with God. First of all, I'm so thrilled you're here. And we're going to talk about something that's, that's quite a dynamic and powerful thing. But don't be freaked out because actually, as you can see, we're, well, look at me. As you can see, I'm an ordinary looking person and uh, and we're, we're very head screwed on, but we do believe in a powerful God, a God who does miracles and great powerful things among us. So as we're talking about miraculous things and supernatural things, please don't be freaked because actually, well, if we're talking about God, of course we're going to be talking about supernatural because he kind of is supernatural. And we just happen, we're a church that just happens to believe that, that God turns up and actually does change lives and work in people's lives. So Mandy, thanks for volunteering. That's really kind of you. So, 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 uh, Free will, I love it. Come, come, come and stand next to me, right? So, Mandy's brought me some props. Thank you for bringing these props. There's a, there's a lighter here. Okay, and there's a balloon, right? So, let me just illustrate, just to kind of get you into the zone of what we're talking about. So, Mandy, just face the audience. Just like that. You won't die, don't worry. <laughs> okay, so it's so, a balloon. See that? Here we go. Oh! Okay, let's do it again. Just, 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 the hair's still there, don't worry, the hair's still there. Okay, ready? Just keep looking at the crowd. Oh, sugar. Every time, I know it's going to happen, but every time I just jump. Okay, balloon number three. Balloon number three, okay. Let's hear from my very brave assistant. Mandy, thank you. you. You can go back and you can take this down. Thank you so much. Wow. Now, what Mandy didn't know, but you all knew, is there was petrol. No, 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 no. No. Is there was water in the third balloon. There was water in the third balloon. And it didn't pop. Do you see that? It didn't pop. Because what was going on? See, all the balloons looked exactly the same on the outside. Identical on the outside. I mean, people look just the same on the outside, right? They looked exactly the same on the outside. But what made the difference? Well, it's what's on the inside. That's what makes the difference. It's what's on the inside that makes all the difference in your life. Um, this had water on the inside, and the water neutralized the heat of the flame, and therefore it didn't burst the surface tension. Um, the flame, the, the pressures of life, the challenges come to us all, right? We all face it, whether you're a believer or whether you don't believe in God. Everyone faces the challenges, and yet the person with something on the inside 
overcomes and doesn't burst in the middle of the pressure when the person with nothing on the insides does. So with that in mind, let me talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So this is going to annoy me now. Uh, Andrew, there you go. Sugar. It's like an extreme sport, church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Let's read that verse together. One, two, three. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. So this is talking about one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which include miracles and prophecy and all these great things. Last week, Ollie was here speaking about the gift of prophecy. Uh, This week, we're looking at the gift of speaking in tongues. And the Bible here says, if you speak in tongues, you edify. Say edify. You edify yourself. What does that mean? Well, the Greek word for edify is oikodomio. Okay, I, I mean, that was me doing an impersonation of a Japanese person say, trying to say a Greek word that they didn't have a clue how they even said it. So that was, but anyway, doesn't matter. Here's what it means. It means to build a house. That's what it means, to build a house. So when you pray in a tongue, you, it's like you're building a house on the inside. It's like you're building layers of a house. You're building a house on the inside. Many people's lives on the inside are a ruin. Like it's, it's like a demolition site. But when you pray in tongues, the Bible says, it's like you're building a house. You're building it up. I love uh, Jackie Pullinger's famous book, Chasing the Dragon. I highly recommend you read the book. Jackie Pullinger, it's a story of how she went as a young person, as a missionary to Hong Kong. Just like these guys today are going to plant churches in various parts of the world, Jackie Pullinger went to Hong Kong to start a church, and she started working among the poorest of the poor in the walled city where there were many drug addicts and prostitutes and many people battling with lots of addictive lifestyles. And Jackie Pullinger starts working with them, and as she was working with people struggling with drug addiction, she would take them through cold turkey, and here's what they would do. Her and her team, they would help them, first of all, find faith in Jesus. And having found faith in Jesus, they'd pray for them that they'd get filled with the Holy Spirit, And then they would help them to flow in the gift of tongues, this gift that we're talking about here. And during their cold turkey, they would encourage them, pray in tongues, just keep praying in tongues. And this was a deliberate thing. They prayed in tongues as they went through cold turkey. And cold turkey would usually totally impact them physically. But instead of being, uh, you know, having the shakes and kind of wanting to do a runner and having hallucinations and all sorts of things that people coming off heroin would usually have, they they would go in cold turkey with virtually no symptoms, no symptoms because they were praying in tongues, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were overcoming. And this happened time and time and time again, and it's documented in her book, Chasing the Dragon. Why? Because when you pray in a tongue, you are edifying yourself. It's like you're building up on the inside. You're building a house, just like you had ruins on the inside. Now you're building it up. First time I ever saw the the gift of speaking in other tongues happening was actually just before I was a Christian. I remember one evening, I was with a group of friends and two of them had become Christians. And we were just hanging out that night. And one of them, a girl, Alexandra, was telling us about how she had come to faith in Jesus and how she'd had this experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And I remember, as I wasn't a Christian. I remember just thinking, wow, that's so powerful. I, I, I want, there was something about that, not just a theory of Christianity, but the reality of the presence of God that you could see about her life. And I just knew that that was real. And uh, before we all went our separate ways that night, after hanging out, she said, could I pray for you all? And I wasn't a Christian. 
few other guys that there weren't Christians, but we said, yeah, okay. And so she said, okay, let's all hold hands. She all held hands, and she started praying in tongues and praying God's blessing over our lives. I'd never heard that in my life before. And that evening when I went home, I was taking a shortcut to my house, and it was right there. I just stopped in a little lane at the back of my house, and I said, Jesus, I want to be a follower of yours from now on. And I committed myself to becoming a follower. So that was my first experience of seeing speaking in tongues manifested. And it, and it got my attention. And actually, it provoked me to take the step of trusting Jesus as my Savior. And maybe, tonight, maybe today, you also will take that step of making a choice to become a follower of Jesus if you've never done that today. Why, why, why leave it to another day? Why would you want to live another day without a relationship with the God who created you? Why not today? Make the greatest choice of your life and trust Jesus as your Savior. I'll give you an opportunity at the end of this message to do that. At the end, we're going to pray for people to have this experience, not just of becoming a Christian, but also of having this experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But first, I want to take you on a bit of a journey to help build your faith and give you an understanding of what this gift is all about. So come with me, first of all, to Acts chapter 2, and this is the first time people on earth spoke in tongues. This is the first happening of this supernatural happening I'm describing. Let me read it to you. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, who was they? Well, it was, you remember Jesus? He died on the cross and risen again, and he told his disciples uh, after he'd resurrected, he told them, now, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you've received power. So, a group of the disciples plus other followers of Jesus about 120 of them were waiting in Jerusalem, and this is who it's talking about. They were in one place, they were praying. Then he said, suddenly, the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came to rest uh, on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We'll stop there for a moment. And we'll, continue, we'll pick up in a moment the rest of the verses. They start speaking in other tongues, speaking other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So let me just point out here, though, that why was it that before they spoke in tongues, there was tongues of fire? Why fire? Well, all through the Bible, fire is symbolic of the presence of God. So you see in the Old Testament, in Exodus, you see God appearing to Moses in the fiery bush. Remember the bush was on fire? And then again in the Old Testament, you see uh, the very presence of God signified among the Jewish people by a column of fire by day. You remember this? Mighty, mighty powerful fire. And also on, on Mount Sinai, when, when they got the Ten Commandments, there was fire on the top of the mountain. In the Old Testament, there was a temple for the people of God to worship in. And every day in the temple, there was a lampstand in the temple signifying the presence of God. And the fire never went out in the lampstand. It was constantly maintained. There was a perpetual fire in the house of God in that old temple in, in the Old Testament. Today, there's not an Old Testament temple. Today, God lives among his people. We are the dwelling of God. And God's perpetual fire resides in believers. doesn't go out. keeps firing. It keeps burning away in our souls. The Holy Spirit's come to stay, come to remain, come to empower you, come to strengthen you to do all the calling that God has got for your life. There is a permanent fire. You see, the church is not a community of believers who live like Jesus. The church is a community of believers in which Jesus lives. Jesus lives in us through us. The very presence of God is among us, and he does works through us. Say amen if you agree. 
Okay, look, continue in the verses. So fire, these, these tongues of fire. And it says, and they, they spoke in tongues. And it says, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? How, then how is it each of us hears them in our native language? Now, why would they say, aren't these Galileans? Well, Galileans were from the Northern Territory. They were like hillbilly territory, right? They were kind of like simpletons. Okay, so the idea of Galileans knowing languages. I mean, only the highest, most educated people knew other languages. And yet here was the Galileans, the kind of hillbillies from the north. So they said, aren't these Galileans? How is it we hear them speaking in our own language? And, it said, and then it goes on to list the languages. Uh, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, uh, Glaswegians, residents of Mesopotamia, I'm just making it contextual, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phygeria, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans from Crete, Arabs, and they were hearing them declare the wonders of God in their own languages. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Muslims believe that God only speaks in Arabic. They, they believe the Quran can only be read accurately in Arabic. We believe our God speaks in every language and therefore is relevant to every language. The spread of Christianity is not the spread of any culture. The spread of Christianity impacts every culture. And that's exactly what's going on here. Now, just some questions to ask about this. They, they, we hear them declaring in our, in the wonders of God in our own tongues. Some questions. Why Jerusalem? I mean, God could have done this historical event anywhere. Why Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem is unique on earth because it's the only place on planet earth where three continents overlap. It's a land bridge between Africa, Europe, and Asia. Nowhere else on earth do you have that. And, therefore, so, and as, as Ezekiel the prophet says, see, I've set Jerusalem in the center of the nations. He was absolutely right. God has placed this, this, this location, Jerusalem, is literally on the crossroads. Nowhere else on earth does three continents collide. And it was there strategically God chose to do something great. And you think about it, great things had already happened in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ had just died on a cross in Jerusalem. Why there? Well, because he died in the center of the earth for the whole earth. He died and paid the price for the sins of all humanity. From Norway, Trondheim, all the way to Ghana, all across the planet, even to sunny Scotland. Jesus Christ died 2,000 miles away from us, but he died to pay the price for your sins. 2,000 years ago, yeah, but he died to pay the price for your sins, and he's very much alive. Isn't that great? Now, so why Jerusalem? Well, it's the center of the earth. Why Pentecost? You know, why that particular day? Why the day of Pentecost? Why not the day before or the day after? God chose that day. Why that day? Well, the day of Pentecost was a Jewish festival. It was the festival of Pentecost, also known as the festival of first fruits. And what they would do is they would celebrate the harvest that was to come. This is the beginning of the harvest season. And they were celebrating in faith the harvest that was to come. Also, it was a time when people gathered from all across the known worlds in Jerusalem. So you see all these people from different areas of the known world gathering in Jerusalem. So it was an international crowd. So there's a couple of clues here. 
it was a celebration of the harvest that was to come, and it was an international crowd. What's God saying? God's saying, at the, by, by choosing that day, and by causing that sign of speaking in tongues, and by doing it when there was an international crowd, and doing it on a day when they're celebrating the harvest that is to come, God was saying that I am pouring out my Holy Spirit on the church, and the church is now empowered to see a harvest, an international harvest happen on planet earth. That's why it says in, in Revelation, and it's, this, is, this, is, this is the talking about the future, this is what's going to happen. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, I looked and behold a great multitudes that no one could number from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white. So the day of Pentecost was a prophetic declaration of God to the world that I'm going to do something in the center of the earth for all the earth. I'm pouring out my spirit. I've paid the price for your sins. I'm pouring out your spirit. I'm empowering the church. And it's a prophetic declaration that this is the beginning of the greatest harvest ever, an international harvest for people from all different ages and stages and backgrounds. And, and this is what God is doing. This is what we're part of, the local church. So why speaking in tongues? Well, again, I think it was just, it was, a, it was almost a prophetic sign of the harvest, the international harvest that's coming to planet Earth, and we're very much part of that. Now, Acts chapter 2 is the first of five times in the book of Acts where people experience being filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't have time to go through them just now, but you can jot them down and you can research them in your own time, and I would encourage you to do that. Here are the five occasions. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, and also Acts chapter 19. On each of those chapters, we see moments when people had the same experience, where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And God's deliberately given us those examples in the book of Acts because they're examples for us, who thousands of years later can still experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he's given you these examples to let you know what to expect. And here's what I conclude by looking at those five and you can read them yourself and you can draw the same conclusions. Number one, people experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they become Christians, not at the same time. And there are some more traditional churches that would argue, ah, oh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience people have when they become Christians. But that's not what we see in the Bible. So I don't care if you think that, it's not what the Bible says. So we don't believe that then. The Bible is our plumb line. The Bible is our foundation. Secondly, so in other words, you may, just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, you have the Holy Spirit, but you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, number two, the second thing that you see when you look in this is typically they had people laying hands on them to ask God to fill them with the Holy Spirit. On Acts 2, they didn't, but on other occasions, they did. And so at the end of this service, we'll give opportunity when there's prayer ministry if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, come forward and get someone to lay hands on you. Don't care what anyone else thinks around you. Run to the front, hungry, and say, get your hands on me. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then get prayed for and receive what God has got for you. And the third thing I conclude by looking at those five examples in Acts is that on every occasion, on every occasion, there was a manifestation of them being baptized with the Holy Spirit. On every occasion. Typically, it says they spoke in tongues. Sometimes it says they spoke in tongues and prophesied. On one occasion it says they spoke in tongues and they exalted God. But there was always a manifestation. It was always something to be seen. And so what will happen on the inside will manifest on something coming out of your mouth. That's always what happens with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
So I've got three questions in the second part of this message now, just to ask questions. Okay, I want to dig, it, dig in a bit deeper. I want to show you how this is going to help you. The three questions are this. What is the gift of tongues? Is tongues for everyone? And how does tongues help us? Actually, how does it actually help us? So question number one, what is the gift of tongues? Okay, so let's read the verse again. Acts chapter 2, verse 11. We heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So in Jerusalem, people from all over the world were hearing Galileans speaking about the wonders of God. You wonder what sometimes people are speaking about when they're speaking in tongues? Well, there's an example, the wonders of God. And they could hear them speaking about the wonders of God in their own language. So first point is this, what is, what is the gift of tongues? It's a, it's a human language. Uh, I remember when I was a student in Glasgow, uh, just like this church, we have Sunday gatherings, but we also have small groups through the week. And in one of the small groups, uh, there was a bunch of folks there, and there was a moment where someone felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to speak out loud in tongues. Now, usually speaking in tongues is just a private devotional thing between you and God. But occasionally, God will move you to bring a tongue in public, maybe in a small group, and very occasionally in a public gathering. And with that, then there should be an interpretation. So this guy, this Glaswegian in this small group, started speaking in tongues. And they think, wow, isn't this a Glaswegian? How is it we hear him in our own language? Anyway, so they start speaking. I'm just kidding. Nothing like the Galileans. They, other than the word letter G, which they both begin with. <laughs> Stay with the point, speak. Start speaking in tongues. And anyway, across the room in this small group, there's a guy there from South Africa. Neba. He speaks Kwasi. Now, anyone speak Kwasi? How do you say How do you say Kwasi? Kaza. Okay, it's got little clicks in it. Kaza. Okay, I can't speak, as you can tell. Kaza. But a guy in this in this small group in Glasgow starts speaking fluently in Kaza. He didn't know it. He had no idea what he was saying. Like most Glaswegians, he had no idea what he said. He started speaking in Kaza. And this guy across the room, neighbor. Now, neighbor, actually, quite a famous person. Uh, related to Nelson Mandela. He's a famous South African guy, related to Nelson Mandela, and he was a student with me at Strathclyde University. And he's sitting there listening to this guy speaking his own language in Kwasa. And it, it wasn't just the language, it was the very dialect of the area he grew up in. It was incredible. And word for word, the guy was quoting Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside green pastures, word for word, in his own language. So neighbor's sitting there totally blown away. Before he gets a chance to say anything, he was about to say, that's my language. Before he gets a chance to say that, another guy, another Glaswegian in the same small group said, God has given me the interpretation. That was word for word, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He sh and this other Glaswegian, who doesn't know Kosa, gives the interpretation, accurately gives the interpretation. And then after that neighbor said, by the way, I just need to let you know, that was my language. In fact, it was the very dialect of the area I grew up in. Psalm 23, word for word. Isn't that awesome? So we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. But it could be a current language, or actually it could be an ancient language. Let me read you this example from Mike Pilavachi's book. Mike Pilavachi heads up Soul Survivor. A few years ago, when we were in an evening meeting at Soul Survivor, we were praying for people to receive the gift of tongues, just like we will at the end of this service. Every year we get visitors from different countries, and this year there happened to be youth, a youth group from Romania. The youth leader from this group didn't believe in the gift of tongues. So uh, as we invited the Holy Spirit 
he got up and began to walk out. As people began to pray and the rest of us in the big top began to speak out their praise to God, either in English or in tongues. I happened to be praying over the microphone in tongues and I noticed it seemed a little different to me. Afterwards, a couple of young people from the Romanian group ran up to me and said that as I started to speak, the youth leader had stopped in his tracks. He had, he had been stunned because he recognized the language I was speaking. Apparently, it was ancient Romanian. And according to him, I was reciting an 11th century Romanian poem called The Prayer of Protection. To add to that, he knew the words of that poem. He knew it because they had been the words of the poem tattooed on his father's back. That youth leader now believes in the gift of tongues. <laughs> so powerful. But they could also be angelic languages. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. If I speak in the tongue of men or of angels, you could be speaking in angelic languages. I've got nothing really more to say about that. Just, I'm just, just saying. Okay, so how does it actually work? I mean, how, where, does the, where do those words come from? How does that work? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 14. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Small s. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables you to pray, but where are you praying from? You're praying from your small s, spirit, your human spirit. Your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. Your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit prays. Now, this is so powerful. Your spirit is praying. You have a spirit. The Bible says in Thessalonians, you have a spirit, a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and a body. And when you're praying in tongues, you're not praying from your minds, you're praying from your spirit. Or another word for spirit is your heart, the inner you, the bit that makes you you. You're praying from that depth of your being, from your innermost being, your spirit. Let me read you an article from the New York Times in 2006. The heading of the article is, A Neuroscientific Look at Speaking in Tongues. Researchers at the University of Pennsylvania took brain images of five women while they spoke in tongues and found that their frontal lobes, the thinking, willful part of the brain through which people control what they do, were relatively quiet, as were the language centers. It is unclear, it said in this article, which region was driving the behavior. Then it goes on in the article and says, a recent study of nearly 1,000 evangelical Christians in England found that those who engaged in the practice of speaking in tongues were more emotionally stable than those who did not. Isn't that interesting? But the point I want to make is that speaking in tongues, when people are monitored, the part that's used typically for language, if you're speaking in your normal language, that's the part of your brain that's used for that was silent. It wasn't active while people are speaking that language. Now, that correlates with what we've just read in the Bible. Your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. So, this is you praying from here, not from here. And this is so, so powerful. You see, at the beginning of time, when humankind rebelled against God, the Bible taught, well, it's described as the fall of man. At that point, your spirit died. God said, the day you eat the fruit, you will die. And even though Adam didn't physically drop dead, how, in what sense did he die? Well, in the most important sense, his spirit died. He became spiritually dead to God. Not alive, not sensitive, not loving God anymore, just disconnected from God. Even though he still had his mind and emotions and will, his soul, even though he still had his body, his spirit had died. And if you're not connected with God today, if you're, you, you, you could be as religious as you want, but in your heart of hearts, you know 
man, I'm not yet connected with God. You, you feel the disconnect. You don't need to feel that anymore. Because when Jesus died on that cross, he died for all humanity. He paid the price for the sin that causes you to be dead on the inside. So that now through Jesus, you can come alive on the inside. You can literally have a spiritual resurrection. You see, Christianity isn't about going from being a bad person to being a good person. It's far worse than that. And it's far better than that. You went from being a dead person to being a live person. You didn't just go from being a bad person to being a good person. You went from being a dead person to being an alive person. You've had a spiritual resurrection if you're a Christian. You come alive on the inside. That's what God did for you when you trusted in him. And maybe some of you today will trust in Jesus and have that spiritual resurrection. But this is the point. When you come alive in your spirit, your spirit is now reconnected with God like you had been in the beginning. And now you've got a communion with God from your spirit to him. And the Holy Spirit comes and partners with that communion and enables us to pray. So this this new connection you have with God, spirit to spirit. Now the Holy Spirit enables you to pray. This is a 24-7 connection. And praying in tongues is simply verbalizing that constant communion that is now going on from your depth of your being to God. And speaking in tongues is you now just giving voice to that constant communion. That was rivers of living water which now flow from your innermost being as believers. Question number two, is tongues for everyone? Some people say speaking tongues isn't for every believer. And they would base that on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29 to 30. Let me read that verse to you. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? Do all have gifts of healings, do they? Do all, and all do not speak in tongues, do they? And all do not interpret, do they? And the inference in each of those questions is, no, they don't. All do not speak in tongues. All are not apostles. All do not perform miracles. So the answer is, no, they don't all. So why am I saying they can all? (laughs) Well, there are two expressions of the gift of tongues. One is a public expression, and one is a private expression. The apostle Paul here is describing in a public setting that God has raised up leaders. That's the context. He's writing to a church, and he's saying to that church about how they should operate as a church in the gifts of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, in the context of church, not all are apostles, not all in the flow in miracles, not everyone is used in that way to bring prophecies or tongues or interpretations. In a public setting, not all of you flow in this way. Um, and, and he goes on and, and he clarifies the point in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. One who, the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Edifies, remember that's the word building up a house. Edifies himself. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. And in the context of in a co- gathered church setting, it, you shouldn't be praying out loud in tongues. You know, that's, that kind of freaks people out. It's probably not the best thing to do uh, unless it's being interpreted then people think, all right, that's what it means. That impacts me. So Paul encourages people to be uh, wise in their use of these gifts. But the point is this, if you want, the whole goal of Paul is this, the church should be edified. And if the goal is edification, then the most important gift, public setting, is prophecy, unless the tongue is interpreted, so that people are edified. That's the goal. Now, when it comes, however, to yourself, in your private life, what's the most important gift? I would say tongues. If you're talking publicly, the most important gift is prophecy, but privately, the most important gift is tongues. And the reason I say that is of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 
it's the only gift that's been given for the benefit of the individual. It's the only gift that doesn't appear in the Old Testament, and it does appear in the New Testament, and it's the only gift that is given for the benefit of the individual. Every other gift, prophecy, miracles, healing, all those gifts are given for the benefit of others. But the gift of tongues is given for the benefit of the individual, edifying the self, edifying the person, unless it's interpreted, by which it will benefit others. Does that make sense? So I don't believe Paul in that moment is saying, you can't speak in tongues, every one of you. He's saying in a public setting, you don't all speak in tongues, every one of you. Now, going back to those, those examples in the book of Acts, where the five illustrations given us, on every one of those occasions, it either overtly says they spoke in tongues or it alludes to that sort of thing happening. So I would suggest to you, I believe that this gift is available for every single one of you. I believe that. I don't think every one of you will flow with it in a public setting. I don't believe that. But I do believe every one of you has this ability from the Holy Spirit to commune with God in this way. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 38 to 39, whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. There is a river flowing from within you. There is a river flowing, welling up from within you. This river. And speaking in tongues is simply, and you feel it. If, you, if, you've, if, you, if you've come to Christ, if you experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, you feel that. And some people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, they've never spoken in tongues, but you just, you feel it. It's like there's something rising up. You feel it. Sometimes in, in worship times, you just feel like you want to explode. Well, I would suggest open your mouth and let it come out. That gift is ready to flow. And some people, they just haven't just let it go. They just haven't released what has already been given. And to let that moment happen is a very, very powerful thing in your life. Last question. How does tongues actually help us? So first of all, tongues is prayer. You know, a lot of praying is about people getting what they want from God. But powerful praying is about God getting what he wants. You praying for what you want isn't powerful prayers. You praying for what God wants, that's powerful prayers. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know we have the requests which we have asked from him. Powerful praying is not you praying what you want. Powerful praying is you praying what God wants. Now, this is where speaking in tongues comes in, and this is so powerful. So how, how do you discover the will of God? How do you know what God wants? There's two sources. First of all, there's the Word of God, Scripture. And then secondly, there's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. That's how you know the will of God. So how are you going to pray in line with the will of God and pray those powerful prayers? either praying or both in line with the Word of God and praying led by the Spirit of God. When you pray in those two ways, then you're going to be praying powerful prayers. So it says in, what, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps, also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should. The Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, this isn't just talking about tongues, but it definitely includes speaking in tongues. And it's describing how the Holy Spirit within us is, is, is helping us 
to articulate and to pray things that are in line with the will of God. And I believe when you're praying in tongues, you are praying exactly in the perfect will of God. Last week, uh, we've been very much part of the turning, and I, I, I applaud Paul Graham and the team for, let's, let's hear it for Paul, he's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Paul and, and, the, and the team of other pastors from other churches have been making this event happen all around our city and, and around the nation. Just under 300 people across Scotland came to faith in Jesus on the streets. Yay! Yay! 300 people. One of the testimonies that stood out to me was uh, Mike. He's from West of Hales Holy Trinity Church. And he was out on the streets, out near the high court. And there's a bunch of young people about to go into court and to appear before a judge. And he was talking to the crowd as they were outside before they went in. And he started talking to them about Jesus. And one of the guys got in his face, really got quite aggressive and said, I don't want to hear about this. Do you think it's helpful for us going into court? Mike said, probably a good time for you to hear about God. Anyway, I don't know if that was the right thing to say, but anyway, he said it. Wow. And then, but one of the, so he's getting a bit of aggro from the crowd. And then one of the girls in the back of the crowd said, no, shush, I want to hear what he's got to say. So Mike went over to the girl at the back of the crowd and he told her about Jesus and he led her to faith in Christ. And so she gave her life to Jesus, right at the back of the crowd there. And after committing herself to become a follower of Jesus, she's about to go into court. She's committed herself to become a follower of Jesus. She said, do you know my grandfather? He, he leads a church, uh, or he used to lead a church in this part of town, and she described it. And Mike said, I know your grandfather. Is his name da-da-da? And she said, yeah, that's my grandfather. I said, I've known him for years. I used to go to his church. He's a great guy. I said, that's amazing. She said, do you mind if I phone my grandmother and tell her what I've done today? And Mike said, yeah, let's do it. So she gets on the phone to her grandmother, and she's telling her grandmother, and her grandmother is so excited. This is a pastor, pastor couple. Her, their granddaughter's going to court for crazy lifestyle. Just imagine how excited they are. They're getting a phone call hearing she's given her life to Jesus. And then they said goodbye to the girl, and, and but Mike said, do you mind if I phone your grandmother back and just talk to her about you and about how we can help you grow forward in your faith? And she said, yeah, no problem. So Mike phoned the grandmother after they left. And he said to the grandmother, eh, this is so amazing. And, she, and, and the grandmother said, did you know, Mike, I've just been on my knees crying out to God for the salvation of my granddaughter. Crying out to God as you were speaking to her. As you were speaking to her. Yes. I chatted to Mike this morning. He was saying, my grandmother's thoroughly filled with the Holy Spirit, Pentecostal, speaking in tongues, calling on God. And at that same moment across town, her granddaughter's hearing the gospel and coming to faith. I love that. I love that. You see, the Holy Spirit will help you pray about what you don't know about. Now, if you're going to start seeing answers to prayers, you're going to start seeing answers to prayers to prayers you didn't even know you prayed. Because you're praying prayers you didn't even know you prayed. You're going to start seeing answers to prayers you didn't even know you prayed. That's an amazing thought. You will start to pray about things in tongues. All of a sudden, your praying goes from you praying based on your limited mind and understanding to you praying based on his unlimited understanding. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I was thinking about that verse last week, and I was thinking, do you know, why would God do it that way? Why wouldn't God just inspire us with thoughts? And we like, oh, that's a good idea. I'll pray about that. 
Why wouldn't God just inspire us with thoughts? And he does do this as well. But instead of tongues, forget tongues. Imagine he just said, okay, I'm just going to give you inspired thoughts to pray about. And then you can pray in your own language. Why wouldn't God do that? Why did he do it this way? And I suddenly realized, why did he do it in a way that bypasses our brain? And I suddenly realized, how many prayers would we back down on if we knew what we were praying for? Like, I can't pray that. That's too big. Your mind gets in the way all the time, folks. Or, or I couldn't pray for that. No way that could happen. Shut up, brain. You know, switch that thing off. How many times did your brain abort the great prayer that your spirit has in faith for? And so this is the point. Political situations to be changed, nations to turn around, miracles to happen, and you're praying for all this in the spirit, and you didn't even know you're praying for it. Speaking in tongues bypasses your brain because often your brain would get in the way of the big prayers that your spirit is totally up for praying based on God's unlimited power rather than your, your limited perspective. That's why it's so powerful. And here's the fact. Lots of things happen around people who pray in tongues a lot. That's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, this, this week I've been praying in tongues a lot. Uh, it cost a coffee. We were in Costa Coffee this week and I got a chat to a girl and, uh, and this, this, this girl wasn't yet following Jesus and she had all these tattoos and I was talking to her about her tattoos and Anyway, I told her that I'd be praying for her. Anyway, five minutes after that conversation, she, she tripped over and, and a whole lot of dishes fell everywhere and she was holding her back like this. So I ran up to her and, uh, and we have another barista staff here as well. And the two of us went up to her and we, we prayed for this girl because she had a slipped disc and it just, it just, her nerve had just trapped and she was in so much pain. And we just started laying hands on and praying for to heal, feel the healing power of Jesus just touch her back. So right there in Costa Coffee, God touched her back and she, and she, and she started experiencing relief. And you had a conversation with her after saying, I think that was meant. I think that God meant this. It's someone who's totally nowhere near God. But the point is this, things start happening around people who pray in tongues a lot. Um, Jackie Pullinger in her book, Chasing the Dragon, she said this, before I pray in the spirit, I say, Lord, I do not know how to pray or whom to pray for. Will you not pray through me and will you not lead me to people that you want to lead me to? And I would begin my 15-minute stints. And she'd pray for 15 minutes every morning. She'd set her clock and pray for 15 minutes in tongues. About six weeks in, I noticed that something remarkable happens. Those I talked about Christ started believing. I couldn't understand it at first and I wondered how my Chinese had suddenly improved or that I've stumbled across some splendid new evangelistic technique. But I was saying the same things I had before. It was some time before I was, uh, it was some time before I realized what had changed. This time I was talking to, about Jesus to people who wanted to hear. I had let God have a hand in my prayers and it was producing a direct result. Instead of my directing what I, direct, deciding what I wanted to do and ask God for his blessing on it, I was asking him for his will through me as I prayed in the language that he gave me. Now I was finding that person after person wanted to receive Jesus. Why, why do you think the Apostle Paul saw so many miracles? So many cities opening up? So many churches being planted? Just, just stuff happened around him. What did he say? 1 Corinthians 14, 18. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Hmm. I wonder if there's a correlation. <laughs> of course there is. Paul the Apostle. You want leadership tips? 
I mean, how many leadership books do you hear that tip? Tip number one, pray in tongues a lot. I mean, you hear about delegation and being well-organized and managing your time and all. Right, forget all that. No, don't do all that. However, also pray in tongues a lot. Paul the Apostle says, you want to see great things happen? You want to see cities open? Paul starts seeing answers to prayers. He, he didn't even know he was praying all around him, all the time. Divine appointments, miracles. But he'd been praying about them. He just didn't know he'd been praying about them. Great things happen around those people. I think I could almost say that in this church. I think I could almost say that. I pray in tongues more than you all. I think I could almost say that. I think Isaiah would give me a run for the money. I think Emperor across in our north location, some of you great intercessors, Rebecca, I think some of you give me a run for the money, but I think I've got you. I think I can almost say I pray in tongues more than you. I, I do. I spend a lot of time praying in tongues. And leaders in this church, can I encourage you, make it your ambition to be able to stand up in front of your small group and say, I don't mean this in an arrogant way. I don't mean that at all. I mean in a deeply dependent on the Holy Spirit way. Make it your ambition to say, I think I pray in tongues more than you all. I want you to pray in tongues that often. I want, I want to, cause, why? Because this is the church Jesus is building. Jesus is building his church, building from the ruins, building a church, edifying the church through this great gift. Final thing I want to say is this, that tongues can bring revelation. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 6, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good is it unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Now, Paul's saying that in the context of when you speak in tongues and it's interpreted, then the interpretation is a prophecy or a word of knowledge. You see, tongues is just simply a supernatural utterance in an unknown language. Prophecy is simply a supernatural utterance in your language. So therefore, when tongues is interpreted, it's prophecy because it's simply a supernatural utterance and now they can understand it because it's been interpreted. But here's the thing. You step out in these things, what you'll discover is you start praying in tongues, other gifts are released. Last weekend, I was down at, speaking at a conference in the south coast of England. And just before I, I went to, I was speaking at a Saturday night celebration, there's a couple of thousand people there. And I was on my knees in my bedroom, praying in tongues before I went to speak in the auditorium. I was praying in tongues. And as I was praying in tongues, I got several pictures. Start seeing these things. One of the pictures was I saw someone's kneecap, right kneecap, popping in and out, and it was slightly twisted to the left. Another picture I saw was someone, and their right ear had been blocked, and it was, it was like they were underwater. And uh, so, so I, when I stood up to preach, I just said those things, and I preached. And at the end of the service, um, one of the prayer team who were praying for people at the end came up and said, you need to meet this lady, Pete. Um, she was the one with the knee. And she, and she was there and she said, yeah, three weeks ago I'd fallen over on a, a railway platform and my knee, had, I don't know what happened, basically my kneecap had popped out and it, it just kept popping in and out. And she said, and, and it, it, it twisted slightly to the left. Now, I actually, when I described it to the auditorium, to the people, I didn't say anything about twisting to the left, but I, I saw that when I was praying. I actually saw that. I just failed to describe that. But when she said that, I thought, I saw that. Anyway, she was completely and instantaneously healed, and she was testing it on the, the hard platform. She was testing it on the hard platform. All the pain had gone, and God had healed her knee, and she felt that healing come even as the word was spoken. And the second person was one of the ministry, prayer ministry team. She came up at the end and said, we were at Center Parks at uh, the beginning of summer, and since then, I've had, it's been like I've been underwater. My left ear, sorry, my right ear has been underwater. I've gone through two courses of antibiotics, and it hasn't cleared. Uh, could you pray with me? So we laid hands on, we asked God to heal her, and as we were praying, she said, oh, I'm hearing it crackling right now, so it starts all crackling and breaking up. I just love that. 
God does these things. And so as you're praying in tongues, it's like gateway gift. It opens the way for other gifts of the Holy Spirit to start flowing in your life. It says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard a voice behind me. You see, it was the book of Revelation came when John was in the Spirit, which is more than just speaking in tongues. It's in an atmosphere of worship, but it also would have included speaking in tongues. And the point is this, that revelations come, truths come, ideas come, the best ideas you'll get will come as you're praying in tongues. I remember in 2003, God spoke to me in the middle of a prayer time. This summer, you're going to get your first building in Edinburgh. I just knew it. And I just been praying in tongues. And then just this revelation, this summer, and that, that summer is when we got our Leith building. Revelations come. It's a gateway gift. It opens the way for other gifts to flow in your life. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All of them are filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Two things. You speak, the Holy Spirit enables. So when you start speaking tongues for the first time, you'll say, that's just me speaking. Yes, it is you speaking. See, God doesn't speak in tongues. You speak in tongues. It's not a miracle that you speak. It's a miracle that when you speak, he gives you the words. You speak as the Spirit enables you. It's like Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water. He had to step on the water. And then God's power enabled the miracle to happen. It's like the disciples distributing the food. They had to break the bread, but Jesus made the multiplication happen. It's like when you get prayed for for healing. We've got to lay our hands on. That's a step of faith. We believe, but God does the miracle. We can't do that. So you speak, and God will give you the utterance. So in this time of worship, if you want to come forward for prayer, uh, and you receive, but in that moment as you receive, allow that living water flowing from within you, just give it voice. You take that step of faith. In the time of worship, maybe even if you don't come forward, in the middle of worship, as you're adoring God, that's the best environment to receive. Your eyes are fixed on him, not on you. And in that moment, as you feel those rivers of living water flowing, give voice and see what comes. And then start operating in this gift on a regular basis. It will edify you. It will build that house on the inside, make you stronger on the inside than you are on the outside. So when the flames and the challenges of life come, You've got what it takes to face anything. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you're here just now and you're also with everyone joining us at Church Online. Thank you, you're among us, God, and we thank you in your presence. All things are possible. I ask you today that you'd fill people with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Just open your hands before God and just ask him just to fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit. Just ask him. Thank you, God.